Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of The Bible Boys. My name is James. And I'm Pip. I'm very excited. We are sitting here in Moore College doing the podcast. That's right. This is for real. This is, this is happening. Yes. We are no longer, you know, theological student and non-theological student. We are both theological students. There's much to learn. Mm. There is much mm. to share. There's so much in the Bible and there's so much wisdom around us right here in the library. That's right. We're sitting in what is known as the, I'm not really sure what it's called. <laughs> But it's a meeting room. It's a meeting room. And it's historic meeting room. It's got some it's got some artifacts in it. Yes. Um I can if you've ever been to Moore College in Newtown, you go to the library, there's a historic room and you'll find things like a pair of old glasses, um a measuring cylinder, some kind of shovel, uh the face of someone. Yes, a plate. All historic. Very historic, but we're making history right now. Yes, arguably more historic than the artifacts <laughs> that were surrounded by. At least, or, or at least more uh, recently historic. Now, can something be very historic? Or is historic more of a binary thing? It's well, either historic I have or heard someone, you know, people, people go, you know, uh, uh, an extremely historic yes. moment. So people do try to emphasize the very important nature of this historic moment. Everything's historic when you think about it. That's true. Every moment is in history. Because it's happened. It's happened. That's right. Yes. So... Needle, so ba- basically what I'm saying is this is a, not one of the, just another historic event. <laughs> no more spectacular than a leaf blowing in the wind that no one, no one ever sees. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, you know, a real question we need to ask is, do we change our names now? To no longer the Bible Boys, but the more Bible Boys. Or the more men. The more. Or the monotheistic men. <laughs> there you go. That's a bit of a mouthful. That's right. That's right. But the Bible Boys will continue, at mm. least for the foreseeable future. We might take a break in the next few weeks if, uh, if and when, well, sorry, not if, but when Viv gives birth. <laughs> yes, when baby Sosthenes <laughs> is born forth, we shall break. That's right. We'll take a break, but. Our plan is to continue. Isn't there a thing in the Old Testament where if someone gives birth, they have a... Oh, no, if someone gets married, they have a year home from from the army. If someone's in the army, they... Oh, yes, I do remember this. Yes. yes. Maybe maybe a year is too long a break A bit us. too long, that's right. You've got to keep the content coming. You know, sort of maybe, thing. you know, a month, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But anyway, here we are. Now, uh, speaking of baby Sosthenes, you've got me thinking... Pip, last week we were—I briefly talked about Assassin's Creed, mm. and I have a correction. Yes, because you said, "Wasn't there a game set in New York City?" And I said, "No, no, there wasn't. There was." So what? I was wrong. An Assassin's Creed game. So it wasn't all set in New York City. Parts of it were in New York City, and I think it was Assassin's Creed Three, mm. the one that was in America. So, listeners, you know, some of you may have known that. Some, some of, you, of you were probably eagerly awaiting this correction. That's right. And now it's here. And some of you have been going. I have. I still have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. But the point is, I made a mistake, and I'm sorry. We're human. That's that's true. Anyway. Um, Bible boys. That's right. That's what we're on about the Bible. We are on about the Bible, and it would be a big problem mm. if we didn't. It'd be say regrettable. S- if we didn't <laughs> say something about the Bible. One hundred percent. That's right. Um, um, so, look, today I wanted to just share a bit and open a conversation, mm. perhaps. And this is your spot for today. This is my spot for today. Um, 
tackling the question, what is faith? Mm. Right? What is faith? Because as Christians, we often say we're saved by faith. Mm-hmm. And so if we're saved by faith, it's good to know what faith is. And, you know, different people kind of have different opinions about what is faith, actually. And so, and I, I myself have, mm-hmm. have wrestled over the years at various points, uh, what, what is faith really? Um, so the verse, the verses that I particularly want to look at is Hebrews chapter 11. Yeah. Um, verse one. Um, and firstly, what I want to do is look at the NIV. NIV, Solar Translation, New International Version. Mm. I want to read verses 1 to 3 of Hebrews 11 and just talk about that for a bit. But then I want to look at some other translations, some other English translations, to get a bit of the scope, a bit of a sense of the scope of what the word faith Mm. might mean. If it helps, I've got another translation here in front of me. What have you got? I've got the Christian Standard Bible. Very, Very interesting interpretation in that one. Oh, so you were planning to read from this one. Yes, I've, I've got uh, maybe four that I'll read from. There you go. But well, you can, when we the get time to, comes. You can read from CSB. Sure. All right. But um, the NRV, verses 1 to 3 of Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Okay. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Verse 2. This is what the ancients were commended for. Verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Okay. So there in the NLV, we get the the idea that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, even those words like confidence, you can be confident about something, but maybe not um, even believe in it 100%. I'm confident that I'm going to win FIFA when mm. I burst my mate. Yeah, but that I'm might not be based in reality. It might not be based on like 100% fact, but, you know, I have confidence in it. Assurance mm-hmm. is a little bit stronger, perhaps. But even that, I don't know, is it 100%? I, I have, I'm assured, mm. I've, been, I've been assured mm. by lots of people that on Friday night I'm going to win my FIFA game. Lots of people assured me of the fact mm. I'm assuring for the win. <laughs> you know, does that mean like certainty? Mm, interesting. Uh, let me read from the ESV. It says the ESV says now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So where the NIV said confidence, the ESV says assurance, and then where the NIV says assurance, the ESV has conviction. Now, in that word conviction, um, you know, that's got the, it, it's, it's like, it's similar to confidence. I have this conviction that this is true. I believe that it's true. So, I guess before we read the CSB, one of the questions that sometimes I think people have is um, if you don't have like 100% empirical evidence, to prove something historical, should you go around saying that it is true mm. that it happened? Yeah. If you're, and even the word like, some people call themselves agnostics, mm. and even that word like a, you know, agnostic, kind of like without 
knowledge mm. you know or without certainty yeah without certainty right yeah, yeah. right and so some people who would pro- who would call themselves agnostics um and i think a lot of agnostics probably have this idea that if you can't if you don't know something 100% then you shouldn't say you know it mm. you should it's intellectually honest to say um, I don't know that this is true. And it's intellectually dishonest to say, I know that this is true. Mm, mm. Um, whereas the CSB has an interesting kind of translation. Do you want to read the yeah, CSB? Sure. Uh, all three verses or just, just the first just, two? Just uh, verse one. Sure. Yeah. All right. CSB. Hebrews 11 verse one. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. Yeah. So we get a different sense there, like reality of what is hoped for. Faith is the reality of what is hopeful. What does that even mean? So there it seems like reality to me is like a stronger word mm. than confidence. The proof of what is not seen, proof, we think of like empirical evidence at that point. You know, ma- you know, two plus two equals four. Like we have mathematical proofs. We want some kind of mathematical proof for what we have not seen. Mm. So, I mean, like I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, you'd know better than I probably, but empirical evidence is evidence that is like can, is discernible via the senses, right? Mm-hmm. You can see it, you can observe it, you can touch it, you can taste it, uh, you know, but... Can I just add to that slightly? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's your senses, but it's also understood as something that is repeatable. Yeah. And uh, collaborate, able to be collaborated on. In other words, you can see it with your senses, and I should be able to see it with my senses as well. It should be a repeatable, verifiable, communally um, observable thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's so if that is the kind of gloss, if that's the lens that we put on this word proof, it kind of doesn't make much sense for us to say the proof of of what is not seen mm. the proof of what can't be collaborated on yeah, by us you know yeah. so i guess yeah the question you know what is faith um so is it believing that there is empirical evidence a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to figure out whether there's math you know scientific medical historical um philosophical proof for Jesus death and resurrection um, probably I don't know with, with a philosophical proof if that's a thing that fits within empirical it mean more well it depends on what kind of philosophy you're thinking about but typically we think philosophical proof is yeah. more rational evidence rather than empirical evidence yeah yeah so I think maybe some people approach this question of Jesus death and resurrection they say if I like I'm going to look for the um, the foolproof airtight evidence mm. so that I can have faith. Mm. Mm. Um, and then, and you get people claiming that there is such a thing. Yeah. Yeah. There is this airtight evidence out there. Um, and it can, and if you have that idea, it can be quite distressing. Um, if you come to the conclusion that there isn't that kind of evidence available to us today. It can be distressing to your faith because you're like, how isn't it intellectually dishonest to believe something that I don't have that ev- type of evidence for? Yeah, yeah. Um, is faith understanding what happened? Mm. I don't think so. 
um, in, in Hebrews 11, when it talks through, like, I mean, some people have this view that if you, if you understand, if you intellectually assent to the kind of events of the gospel as historical realities, um, and believe that they're historically true, that is, uh, faith. Mm. But that's not the, that's not the whole picture for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that Jesus existed and yeah. died. That's not faith. No. Or, or at least acknowledging that. Yes. Because many historians would acknowledge that. Yeah. 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 There's a difference to believing that Jesus mm. and believing in Jesus, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when you read through Hebrews 11, um, what the author goes on to say is like, by faith, so-and-so did so-and-so. Mm. So, and we'll get to that point in a sec. Is, is faith feeling good about what happened? Mm. Is faith... Um, like hearing that Jesus died for your sin, rose again, and feeling good about that. Um, I think that's a part of faith, but it's not the whole, you know, that's not the complete definition by, by any means. Um, and here's one that's, that's debated quite a lot. Mm. Is faith the same thing as faithfulness? Mm. So is trust mm. in something, verb, in yep. doing, the same thing as faithfulness, a quality in, in something or something? Yeah, that's right. And like a lot of, like some people, when they compare the verses in the Bible that talk about um, you're saved by faith through, uh, by grace alone, not mm-hmm. by works, mm-hmm. they compare, compare that with verses in James or elsewhere that would kind of tie faith and obedience and, and obeying Jesus' commands more closely they would say okay well faith it's not faith is not the obedience but faith is the quality that that exists um like like when only when you do those things only when you obey Jesus' commands can you can you say that you have faith yeah yeah um is faith being faithful um yeah is it synonyms for that would be like obedience, loyalty, fidelity, that sort of thing? Um, that's an interesting question. I don't think I have a, like a an exact yes or no answer. It's a very interesting question to ponder. Um, I think what we can see quite clearly is that faith in the Bible is trust. So it goes beyond just knowing. It it impacts the part of you that makes decisions mm. about your life. Um, and the thing about trust, I think that really reconciles those, and you know, the rest of Hebrews 11 when it talks about faith leads to action, um, is that tr- it's the sort of faith is the sort of trust that always manifests in making decisions to obey God. Mm. Now, is, is, is the obedience different from that quality that leads to that decision? Um, potentially I think so mm-hmm. and I think the example that I think about is the criminal who died on the cross next to Jesus who Jesus said to him you know I will see you today I'll see you in paradise after he said um, you know remember me when you enter your kingdom yeah um, he did not have an opportunity to live out a life of obedience to Jesus commands he, j- he died mm. but he still had trust mm just didn't manifest. So um, I think it's really important that we, as Christians, we wrestle with 
this question of faith too quickly, I think we can say that it's not faith, it's not obedience. Um, so you've got one extreme, which one. is, no, it can't possibly have something to do with your actions or your quality or your character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one that is, uh, it's, it's one and the same. Yeah. Faith is obedience. There's another kind of dichotomy where it's like faith is a blind thing mm-hmm. that doesn't rely on, um, it's a purely subjective, doesn't rely on any external evidences or reasoning or anything like that. The other extreme is it's not real faith until you believe that there is such a thing as the empirical evidence mm. to prove it. Yeah. Um, but I think faith, and this is, this is, you know, I guess this is more kind of maybe controversial territory, but in one sense, can a Christian be agnostic in the sense of, you know, when it comes to the question of like, can we, like, can we know with, that kind of certainty that Jesus died and rose, um, I think, you know, a lot of people would say no. That that kind of evidence doesn't doesn't exist in in such a foolproof way that a lot of people would like. Um, but so so is it possible to kind of be agnostic about that? Do we know Do we know that Jesus rose from that standpoint? Um, maybe the answer is no. But faith doesn't depend on that. Faith is. Um, Conviction, confidence, assurance, um, yeah, and I think I think this yeah impacts just you know just trying to just trying to understand what we're doing when we put faith in Jesus, what we're actually basing it on, why we're doing it, um, all those sorts of things. So we, you know, that's the kind of start of a conversation. Of what is faith? Mm. Um, it is a bit vague, and I do apologize for that. Um, but do, yeah, do you have any kind of reflections or thoughts on like, what is faith? Have you, have you ever had times in your life where maybe you've thought faith is one thing and then you've later realized actually faith is something else or, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, just on that, I really appreciate that, that point about it not having to be so grounded in the, shall we say, the empirical facts because there are, there are empirical facts. There's a lot of empirical evidence. Did me coming to believe, and so this is just mm. reflecting on myself now, did me coming to believe that Jesus died and rose again come from me examining all of the archaeological evidence, uh, you know, looking at the reliability of, of historical sources? No, it didn't. That stuff is there, and it's bolstered, supported, reinforced my faith, but my faith is not dependent on that empirical evidence. Mm. right? There. And I think that's a really helpful thing to say, because some people want to tie their trust, their mm. conviction... A hundred percent to to the presence of this empirical proof. Yeah, and that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah, uh, partially because of what verse one in Hebrews one says, which is that there is lots that is not seen. Mm. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, uh, to answer your question directly, yeah, uh, for sure, there were times where my understanding of faith has changed. Um, before it was this idea that faith is a, is it in itself. Um, uh, what can make something real? Mm. So you hear about this um, this idea of, of faith uh, um, being a force or a power. That faith in and of itself is the thing that has power. Mm. And you, you know there are places in the Bible that might lead you to think that. So for example, in Acts chapter three, when uh, the, the man is healed, 
um, you know, Peter and John say that it's not us who's done this, but it's his faith in the name of Jesus mm. that's made it well. And you might think, oh, it's, it's, it's faith then. That's the thing that had the power. Mm. But really, it's faith in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And so a, a shift that I had was it's not so much the faith itself, but what you're putting your faith in yes. that determines its, its power or the effectiveness or the reality of, of what's present. Yeah. And so it's not how strong my faith is in Jesus that determines whether I'm saved. It's that I have faith in Jesus who is the Lord yeah. that saves me. It's not the strength of my faith that saves me. And that's been really helpful in times when perhaps I, I've had less confidence, mm. more doubts. Um, you know, you know, so maybe sometimes I'm at you know, 60% confidence. Maybe it's, you know, 5% confidence. And yet in that shift there, am I any less or more loved and accepted and, and um, uh, you know, treasured by God and his son? No, mm. because the point is it's in Jesus. Mm. So yeah. I think that was a huge shift that happened for me, realizing it's not the faith itself that's powerful. It's what you put your faith in yeah. that determines the, the effectiveness or the power of it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, that's, that's really helpful. And I think, yeah, applying in a Christian, you know, Christian context, like faith is faith in Christ, in the saving work of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Um, trust in Jesus. Um, but, do people do question their faith in terms of like, do I actually have any faith? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like some people can be quite tormented about it. Um, and on the other end of the spectrum, some people might sin quite, quite kind of freely and, and think, that's okay, I've got faith. Mm. And it's kind of like, okay, well, those are, you know, potentially two mistakes you know, on either end of the spectrum. Um, yeah. 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 And I mean, the, the, I get that. I do think there's an over-intellectualizing of faith. Mm. And let me explain what I mean by this. And that, you know, a, a, previous, a previous generation would say that um, faith in Christ is acknowledgement of him as your Lord, right? Um, you know, a, a life that is molded and shaped and, and built on this conviction that he is the, the crucified and risen Lord and Savior. Mm. Um, but I feel like there's, at least in our modern context, there's a lot of navel gazing, a lot of, oh, is my faith genuine? A lot of looking internally, you know, what's it based on? How's this working? And I think one of the very real detriments of this is that we focus less on Jesus and more on ourselves mm. when it comes to our faith, when the whole point of faith is to, to trust in Jesus. Yeah. But even the, so, that last thing you said, focusing on Jesus, even that is quite an abstract idea yeah. for a lot of people. For when, when you say that, I guess what, what you mean is obedience, isn't it? Focusing on Jesus, i.e., worshiping Him with your mind and with your what you do. You know, it's yes and no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that there are aspects of obedience. You know, there are aspects of our lives that manifest that way. But is thankfulness for Jesus obedience? Well, yes and no, isn't it? Is uh, treasuring Jesus obedience? Yes and no. Mm. Um, is rejoicing in Jesus obedience? Yes and no. Mm. Is um, wanting Jesus obedience? Yes and no. Mm. And so there are aspects of this where we are commanded to do so, but there are also aspects where I don't know if you can directly draw a correlation you know, one-to-one that, oh, well, me right now wanting to know, think about us being at college, right? Is, is learning, wanting to learn more about Jesus 
something that is commanded, yes and no. Mm. It's the whole reason we're here at college, just because we've read that verse in the Bible, that a verse that says you have to, you know, study. And no, it's it's a heart's desire to, that longs for Him, and so that's that I think is is a manifestation of faith mm. as well. Um, you know, anchoring ourselves onto Him. Mm. Um, I mean, this is why. Uh, the thing I wanted to go. To, sorry, can I go to this next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say I, I really appreciate how the Bible gives us lots of different images for what faith can look like. So you know, um, if you say, "How is it that you become a Christian?" So uh, Mark chapter one says, "You know, repent and believe the gospel." Shall we say, "Repent and uh, and put your faith." Yeah. Um, Romans chapter ten, right? Um, declare with your mouth uh, that God raised him from the dead. You know, uh, sorry, uh, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. But then you get passages like Mark 8, where Jesus says, if anyone would be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Mm. So there's a very, shall we say, tangible, physical manifestation mm. of that. Yeah, I'm thinking also Acts 2, yes. after Peter's speech, they say, they, they cut to the heart, what shall what then shall we do? Yes. And Peter says, repent and be baptized. Baptized, yeah, that's right. That's right. And so perhaps then one of the things that we lack or lose by just focusing on the what's going on in my heart aspect is that there are tangible ways that this is manifested, Mm. but it's really important for us to recognize that your acceptance, your salvation was at that moment, not sort of on a scorecard system based on what you do next. Yeah. I think that's where the difference comes in. Yeah. It's it's that comment you made about over-intellectualizing faith. I find really fascinating because if you think about the reformation, I feel like you you could almost make the same accusation there when they when they're kind of talking about faith apart from works and talking about you know some of the Catholic practices that um, you know Catholic Catholics might argue they're yes okay symbols okay penance um, acts of faith arguably mm-hmm. from their perspective um, but from a Protestant perspective no not not no they're you know works of the law works by which we think that we're saved yeah yeah um so how so i guess you know to distinguish between faith and the works the manifestations of faith Mm. and then and sometimes works might not even be a manifestation of faith Mm. you know they're just works for the sake of some other you know not not driven by that trust in jesus um yeah, so I'm I'm cautious about that. Like when you say we over intellectualize, it sounds I don't know. I feel like we should we should intellectual like we should intellectualize. We should think hard about what is faith. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I agree with that. So <laughs> uh, like, ha- yeah. How do you how do you judge whether you're over thinking something? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I like, Yeah. Well, I mean, part of the Reformation is it was a recovery of grace, recognizing that, you know, a child or a person who's been baptized into, into just, you know, the uh, justification can lose that unless they follow and jump through a series of hoops. So if they commit a mortal sin, they're out of the grace of justification. Mm-hmm. And so they have to commit a particular a number of, of acts that are found in the sacraments in order to be restored to justification. Mm. What that does is it, it's putting hoops there where I would argue the Bible doesn't put them. Mm. It's saying, no, your trust in Christ isn't enough. You need to show your trust in Christ by doing these extra things, be it the sacrament of penance, where you have your priestly confession, absolution, works of satisfaction. 
be it right before you die, you need to call the priest to do the last rites, that these aspects are what restore you back. Whereas what I'm saying is, no, is Christ the basis of your salvation? Mm. Is, is, a, is a trust in Christ and what he's done, his finished work. It's a recover it, in, in a real sense. It's pulling back some of these things that were there. In the yeah. Room. Let me play de- devil's advocate. Okay. For a second. Yes. You know, devil's advocate pun. I don't know if there's a pun there. <laughs> but um, what, um, so what if someone came along and said um, the problem with the, you know, Catholic Church in the time of the Reformation was not that they were, um, <laughs> was not that they were insisting on manifest manifestations of faith yeah. to be part of the church to be saved that wasn't the problem the problem was that they were with the wrong manifestations yeah they were the wrong works so i think of places like i think it's uh i think it's james which says like religion that is pure and undefiled is this to yes. visit orphans and widows in their yeah, as the end of James chapter 1. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Uh, I'll, I'll read it really quickly. James chapter 1. A pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Yeah. So I guess the question is like, you know, there are particular manifestations of faith that ought to arise when true faith is present. The various various kind of churches, various tradition, uh, various traditions come up with manifestations of faith mm. that aren't biblical, mm. and that's a problem. Yeah, but ought we not to kind of emphasize put put some emphasis on the biblical manifestation of faith? Like the Bible says that faith will lead to this. Yes. Are you living this way? You know. Yeah. No, I think so. Yeah. It's not devil's advocate at all. It's just going back to the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, Lucifer. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, Satan did a uh, quote from Deuteronomy when he was tempting. Yes. So you know. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Here, let me let me shift gears slightly then. Yeah. Here's another place where this where the rubber hits the road here. Yeah. Think about people who have an intellectual disability. Yeah. Or babies who die. Yeah. Now let's think about the babies question for a second. Under a Roman Catholic understanding of salvation that you know we all have what they call venial sins um we all and, and that's why you need to be purged in purgatory of them before you can enter into uh, you know paradise unless you've committed mortal sins in which case you have no chance mm. you're finished what do you think about babies who die right and for them purgatory is the answer it's that well they haven't committed any mortal sins but they've committed venial sins, and so there's a very real sense in which, you know, um, they're in a state of sinfulness, mm. and so they need to be purged in order to be saved, and they've cr- created this construct. Yeah. Whereas, as a Reformed Evangelical Christian who understands that salvation is purely by grace alone, and understanding, you know, that, that actually God, uh, even when we are faithless, God can be faithful, and we see this, you know, covenant examples in the Bible of children who died, and yet there's confidence that there was, that, you know, God's people would see them again. I'd say this fits perfectly in in the understanding that God's grace is what saves people. Mm. That that child who dies still has hope, mm. even though they weren't able to manifest works. Mm. They still have hope. 
yeah. uh, a person who has an intellectual disability, right, and 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 um, is is uh, engaging in the practices of church, you know, in in maybe a Christian family, whatever it may be, the fact that they never manifest particular works that are seen to be associated with faith is no problem for me in thinking that and and recognizing that they are not beyond the salvation of God. Mm. And so where the rubber hits the road is going, well, yes, we do say that these practices accompany it, but these practices are not the thing that saves you. Whereas, shall we say, pre-Reformation, that distinction might have been more iffy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm... I'm happy to, like, I think we both admit what you described, that Catholic position to be involved in purgatory. I think we both agree that there's, there's not a biblical basis for that view. Um, quest, questions about people with, you know, intellectual disabilities, babies who die. Um, you know, I, it, it's hard to kind of, I, like, it's hard to kind of, um, get get kind of a uh i don't know like i don't i don't want to say that those are exceptions to the rule i think that's that's a too cold a thing to say like you know real human beings um yeah but having said that it's it's hard to when it, yeah bring that bringing those factors in it is hard to determine okay then what are we talking about when it comes to people who live out live out a long life yeah you know um yeah yeah but there's a lot a lot here that i think is is really helpful in thinking about that you know what is faith it's it's on one level it's a really thorny question because Mm. there are lots of different trickinesses here and different understandings and yet at the core of it i think you and i would both say it's it's something about trusting jesus (laughs) yeah yeah but i think as like i think as christians we do sometimes we I would say under intellectualize things where if you've got the, if you've got the ability, if you've got the capacity to think it through a bit, then you ought to. Yeah. Um, don't like, you know, don't settle on, um, your kind of view of grace and faith that you had 10 years ago. Continue to, to grow and to think and to wrestle. The conclusions you come to might lead you back to that same view that you had yeah, 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you, you stop kind of thinking about it. And I think anyone who wants to know God, anyone who wants to know Jesus and to be with God in God's kingdom will naturally have this desire to want to know these things. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's not about switching your brain off. Yeah. I think that I've shared this before on the podcast, I think, that, you know, if I remember a few years ago there was sort of this, you know, either or question put mm. forward. And it was, would you rather someone knows the truth of the Bible or that someone knows how to read the Bible for themselves? And I remember going, I want both. You know, obviously yeah. I want both. But they said, no, you have to pick one. And I said, well, I picked the first one. Mm. I'd rather they know the truth of the Bible. Right. And then yeah. they said, oh, no, I'd go for the second one because they need to be able to read it for themselves. And I was saying, well, if they can't re- yeah. know the truth, um, <laughs> well, I said, this is why it's a silly question yeah. because we want both, right? But I mean, you know, you think about where um, part of what the fruit of the Reformation was was um, God's truth 
God's grace, the reality of Jesus, communicated to people who couldn't even read. Mm. And they, they couldn't see it for themselves. Uh, and yet, I would say now, in our context, especially here in 21st century Sydney, Australia, if you are able to learn how to read for yourself, mm. why wouldn't you want to take up that opportunity? Mm. And yet, I don't want to say that you have to be able to read for yourself in order to be able to follow Jesus. Yeah. I think that's an example of where I'm going over-intellectualizing. It's not saying don't use your brain. I mean, I'm here at college. I want to learn how to read. I want to teach people to read properly. But recognizing that your ability to read and work out all of the stuff is not what your faith is dependent on. Mm, yeah. That sort of makes sense. Yeah. They're good They're good qualifiers. Anyway, look, I hope this has been a helpful uh, discussion about faith. Uh, I think it's, it's open-ended. There are, you know, things that we haven't covered Lots. Um, Oh, there's plenty we haven't covered. Um, You know, we haven't really talked about how to grow in faith. We haven't talked about, um, you know, what what if my, you know, is it possible to lose your faith? Those sorts of questions. Um, Maybe for another time. But I think wrestling with what is faith, like you kind of have to do that before you can answer, do I have faith? And, And am I being am I living as someone with faith um, you have to wrestle with that question of with faith no better way to do that than by reading the Bible the Bible thinking through God's word yes um, hearing the Bible um, yeah to explore there you go um, cool well why don't I share a bit about what I've been reading sure thanks Sounds for good. that really helpful I think just a really stimulating thoughtful discussion I think I went for half an hour. There you go. Oh, there you go. Plenty more, <laughs> plenty more you could say on that topic. But um, right. what have you been reading in the Bible lately, James? Yeah, well, so in the New Testament unit, uh, in first year college, you go through um, uh, Mark, Ephesians, and Acts. So I've been re- reading Acts again, yeah. just trying to acquaint myself with what happens here. And one of the things I just want to share with our, re- our listeners, I almost said readers, our listeners, um, is just... Um, the other day, uh, it was last week, you know, Viv and I were reading Acts 1 together. And I was just struck again by, um, that by this point here. So Acts chapter 1, um, verse 1. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. It's a pretty profound and simple point here that the writer, presumably Luke, says that he was writing about what Jesus began to do and teach. Mm. So presumably the book of Acts is about what Jesus continues to do and teach. Mm. Now that's very strange, isn't it? Because in the next verse, verse 2, it says that, you know, he was taken up. Mm. Jesus ascended back into heaven. And yet, as I'm reading Acts again, I'm being really blown away. I'm going out of my way to look for this. Just hints in the text that Jesus is the one who is given credit Mm. for the actions that are happening here. So let me just give you two examples in Acts chapter 1 itself. Okay. Right? In Acts chapter 1 itself, you've got verse 4. While he was with them, this Jesus, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you heard me speak about. So Jesus is telling them to wait for the Father's promise. And then if you skip on over to Acts chapter Mm 2, 
you look at verse 33. So Acts chapter 2, verse 33. This is after Jesus has ascended into heaven. Peter is preaching here. Verse 33. Therefore, since he, that is Jesus, has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he, this is Jesus, has poured out what you both see and hear. Mm. So in other words, in chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus says, wait until the Father's promised Holy Spirit comes. But the point is, in chapter 2, Jesus is the one who's given credit for pouring out the Spirit mm, in yeah. Acts chapter 2. Then secondly, Acts chapter 1, again, uh, in verses 15 to 26, they, they need to find another disciple to replace Judas mm. uh, for, for the 12, uh, representing the 12, ti- uh, 12 tribes of Israel, right? Mm. But notice what, um, <clears throat> uh, what happens when they're trying to f- uh, choose between Barsabas and Matthias. By the way, when Viv and I were reading this, she said, I'm just thinking about Pip's <laughs> reel, reel that he did two yes. years ago. Yes. Or one year ago now, something yeah. like that. Did they, did they toss some dice? <laughs> mm. Listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, you can search it on Instagram, Bible underscore boys. Look for the reels, one of them. Pip has dramatically reenacted what may have happened at this scene. Most likely, yeah, <laughs> in my view. But what actually happened is this. Notice what happens as they're choosing between Barsabas and Matthias. Verse 24, then they prayed, you, Lord, know everyone's hearts. Show which of these two you have chosen to Mm. take place in this apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. Who is it that they pray to, to choose the replacement for Judas? Mm. Lord. Now notice, Lord, throughout this whole chapter, is referring to Jesus. Jesus. In chapter 6, it said, Lord, are you uh, restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And then in, um, uh, they call him the Lord Jesus in verse 21. So I think they're praying to Jesus to choose Judas's replacement. And mm. it and ends up being Matthias. And so, even though Jesus, here's the big insight, right? Even though Jesus has ascended into heaven, he's continuing to act he is continuing to do. He's continuing to teach. Um, and I think that I underplay that in my own devotional life, recognizing that, you know, it's not just what Jesus has done. I think we rightly look back on the finished work of Christ. Mm. But Christ's work continues. He's continuing to minister and to teach and to empower and to send out and and. How does that fit with the picture of him seated already at the right hand of the Father? Mm. Um, you know, there's more to think about there, but um, it's it's quite remarkable to go. No, actually, Jesus is continuing to act now, mm. and so anyway, that's what I'm gaining as I'm continuing yeah, reading through. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking it through. That's like, yeah, I mean, the idea that Jesus is at work. That he poured, even that imagery, like, obviously that's imagery, right? Pouring out the spirit. Um, but there is a sense in which, like, and you see this in the Gospels, that, that God the Father has given Jesus particular authority to do certain things. In God's kind of salvation history, Yeah, there are, there are you know, things that Jesus does. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult to think about. Yeah, really. How does that work? But yeah, um, it's yeah, and it, it it's a good reminder that um, you know uh, we ought to 
you know, yeah, knowing that Jesus is at God's right hand, knowing that Jesus has ascended, and yet Jesus himself is still active in our lives. That's very refreshing, mm. comforting, yeah, but also amazing. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, last year uh, we were doing this thing called Wednesday training uh, on um, Wednesday afternoons, and uh, one of the units that I was taking was how to read the Bible. And the first thing we did for the first two weeks was we were thinking a bit about what it, what even is the Bible. And I was really struck doing my own research and reading and, and trying to, you know, you, you know that feeling where when you're preparing a talk, you're preparing material, it really helps to synthesize what you think. Mm. I remember doing that work and going, wow, the Bible, the scriptures are Christ's continuing word to us that he continues to speak and teach through his word right now. And so, uh, you know, I won't, maybe, maybe next time we do a, a session or a spot, I can, I can show how all those pieces fit together. Mm. But in essence to say, as we read the Bible, as we continue to learn from the Bible, we are being taught by the living Christ mm. through his word, uh, which is a profound picture. We're not just learning about God; we are learning from God. Mm. Um, as as we delve into the Bible, that that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. There you go. Anyway, that's what I've been reading. That's now, that's great. I have another segment idea. Okay. It's a quick one. All right, for us to do each week now. Sure. Which is uh, what you've been learning at college. What you've been learning at college. What you've oh, been okay. Learning at college. Um. So we'll, yeah, okay. we'll do a you know banter. We'll do a spot. The other person will share what they're learning the Bible. What you've been learning at college. Okay. And then guess who? Sounds How's that good. sound? That sounds great. I'm just introducing you to this on air. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm loving it. Um, pretty boring. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, uh, Greek and Hebrew this week is, hey. is what we've been learning. So, but it really like, okay, Greek and Hebrew, not boring. I shouldn't say they're boring. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's, it is good fun. Um, but today, in we had a Hebrew intensive today, but we spent a lot of time talking about meta learning. So not Hebrew. Not Hebrew. We talked today was mainly about meta learning, which is was really helpful because it's all about how do we learn, mm. how do we take in and retain information in a useful way that it doesn't like just go, but it it sticks. Um, so things like, I mean, you know, we talked about a bunch of stuff, but things that really stick in my memory um, were it's really helpful when you learn new things to attach it to knowledge that you already have or to have have a frame framework and to keep asking, how does this relate to mm. what I've already learned? Um, Who ran you through this? So this is Chris Thompson. Yeah, nice. Um, That's so good. Yeah. Um, things like in terms of like repetition, so in... Yeah, I guess this is a mainly, it's very applicable when learning a, a language to, um, as you learn to kind of space out your learning and to have, um, I guess like, yeah, in, intervals in your learning that are helpful. So to, to do a little bit every day, um, is, is helpful. So they, they like showed us a study where basically, um, uh, you know, they got a, a group of like volunteers in, they had to learn 50 Spanish words, I think it was. Mm. One group, um, uh, and, and it was like a set number of sessions. It was like 10 sessions or something. Sure, yeah. One group did the 10 sessions of like flicking through the 50 words and trying to memorize them, and there was like 30, 30 minutes apart each session. Yeah, yeah. 
the next group was one day apart Mm -hmm. and the next group was 30 days apart. Mm. And for each group, after their last memory session, 30 days later, they did a test on the words and um, they also did a test for like a day after their last session. So in terms of like, in terms of short-term memory, um, the people that got to do it like 10 times on the same day and then did an exam next day, the people, like short-term memory was much better for the people who did, what well, was like, actually, you know, was a bit better for, for the people who did all in one day. But for longer-term memory, the people who did theirs 30 days apart um, over over 10 sessions mm. were able to retain it a lot longer. There you go. So I think the principle is, yeah, okay, cram for exams. <laughs> do that. But don't, but do that on top of yeah. studying consistently yeah, um, nice. to get the information as well. There you yeah. go. So That's really me- cool. meta-learning. Meta-learning. Now, here's an interesting thing. Yeah, go. Aristotle. Yes. Know, I'm pretty sure it was Aristotle. Uh, metaphysics yes. was a chapter in one of his things. Uh-huh. Do you know why it's called metaphys- metaphysics? Why? Because meta in Greek means... It can mean with or, or after. Yes. And that section came after the physics section. <laughs> so it's the chapter after. Yeah. So it's literally just after physics. Very good. I don't think that's true. You don't think it's true? No, I don't think that's true. Friends, Google that. Google why yeah, Aristotle metaphysics and why it's called metaphysics. <laughs> Google it. We're going to Google it later. Not now. But James, what have you been learning at college? I've been learning Greek as well. Nice. It's a Greek intensive the last uh, two, two weeks. Uh, it's been really good. And so today we were thinking about time, um, how, how cases can tell you time. Nice. Anyway, there you go. Cool. Now, we actually have an email, but because of the time on oh, this podcast, yes. we're going we're gonna to save this juicy email oh, for a future episode. It's so juicy. It's, it's so going to be able to retain all the juices for the next week. <laughs> Are we sure about that? Uh, yeah, well, well, we'll see if we even record next week, right? Yeah, that's true. But I have a Bible character for you, and it's time for us to play Guess Who. Sounds good. Guess Who? I've got 20 questions to guess the correct person, the biblical character, why don't you at home play along and see if you can get it in a short amount of time that I do? Now, um, let me try and hone my strategy this week <laughs> to try and narrow it down a bit quicker. But, um, okay, first question. Is this a, uh, does this person, no, is, is this a male? No. Ooh. Does this person's name appear in the Old Testament? Yes. Does this person's name appear in the New Testament? Yeah, like not just the net, na- like not someone else with that same name. Their name applied to them is what I'm talking about. Give me one moment. Holy I'm pretty dooly. sure. Here we go. I'm pretty sure, but I just want to make sure. I'm just going to search up the passage I'm thinking okay. about. All right, all right. Um, I'll think of some other juicy questions to ask. <laughs> so it's a woman in the Old Testament. Feet could be a girl in the Old Testament. Does okay. Oh, actually, maybe not. Ooh, maybe not. Interesting. Wait, let, me, let me change my app that I'm using. This I think I'm going to ask a question about whether they're an Israelite or not. Okay, so yeah, no, their, their name is not mentioned in, in the, the New, New Testament. Testament. Are they an Israelite? Yes. Mm, okay. Are they? Do, does their name? Do they appear in the Pentateuch? Yes. 
Ooh, holy dooly. <laughs> <laughs> do you like the holy dooly? Yeah. Do they, do they appear in um, Genesis? No. Ooh, hello. Um, are you counting questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do they appear in Exodus? Yes. Ooh. Okay, so that's six questions. You've got 14 more to go. Okay, okay. Hmm, hmm, yes. Okay, righto. Hmm, lay on. Um, <laughs> does this person, is this person related to Moses? Yes. Oh my. Oh, you're goodness. getting it. Is it Moses? Oh, who, what's the name? I want to say Miriam, but it might not be. Is that, is that, have I got that right? Is it Moses? Is this Moses? I'm going to get this wrong. Is this Moses' sister? No. Moses' mother? No. Moses' mother-in-law? No. I'm just trying to... Because there is a... I don't even know if... Um, Moses... And they're related to Moses. Mm. Oh, wait. No, sorry. I've made a big mistake. Oh, big mistake. I've made a big mistake. They're not related to Moses. No. Uh, how do I do this? How do I fix this? No, no, no. I've, I've made a big mistake in the sense that mm, one of the questions I answered incorrectly, uh, or wait, could you call this person that? Mm, what, an Israelite? Yeah, I answered that incorrectly. Well, I mean, because, because they're related to Moses, I was going, oh yeah, they're an Israelite, but no, they're not. They're a Mosite. <laughs> so I do, apl- I'm going to give you, I'm going to take away a question. Okay. Well, actually, no, I'm going to keep it I kind of get what you mean. Like, yeah. are they in the people of God? Yeah, it's really... it's, yeah. So no, she's not an Israelite. Sorry. Okay. So there you go. Ten questions. Right. Ten again. All right. Um, see, I have the name Miriam in my head. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's just there. Maybe it's one of those meta uh, learning things. Where it's just <laughs> retained, but I don't know why. Um, hmm. Is there any? What other ladies are there in Moses' life? <laughs> <laughs> Is this person presumably older than Moses? Uh, I don't think so. Oh! So, no. Uh, okay. Oh. These are just did more. Okay, this can be counted as a question. Moses doesn't have children, does he? That's not a thing. That's a real question. You can answer that. Wait, what? <laughs> does, did, did you say, does Moses have children? He doesn't, does he? <laughs> he, he does. Does Moses have children? Yeah, he does. I'm going to count that as a question. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> he does. Yes. Ah, oh, man, I've got my Moses. Uh, <laughs> is this Moses' daughter? No. Or Moses. Uh, or his daughter's friend. <laughs> <laughs> um. Ah. Uh, okay. Is this person alive when Moses is alive? Yes. Okay. All right. How many more questions do I have? Six. You're on 14. The only woman that I think is... Like, there's that... Do we know this person's name? Yes. Okay. Five more to go. Okay, interesting. I don't, audience, I, I don't know if you've got the name Miriam in your head, but I certainly <laughs> do. Should I... Oh, I don't want to ask it. You've already said is it Moses' sister. Which is Miriam, is it? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Does that count as a question? No, 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 well, before, you already asked before if it, if it was Moses' sister, and I said no. So, five more to go. Okay. Um, uh, there are people who are just shouting into their podcast device right now, because they know who this is. But, you know, 
I, I did turn up hard mode here. Is this hard mode, is it? No, oh, it's more like intermediate hard mode. Upper middle hard mode. Just say it's hard, all right? <laughs> Just say it's hard, all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay. <sighs> okay, does Are you sweating from the lips right now? Yeah, a little bit. Does this person... Um, is this person mentioned after the Red Sea crossing? Yes. Is this person mentioned before the Red Sea Crossing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you want a hint? <laughs> um, does Jethro have like a, an aunt? Does Moses have some kind of stepdaughter? <laughs> there is a key question you haven't asked yet. Okay, it's a key question. It's a key question, and I need to ask it. As in, around all these things. Like, I think you have it. I think you think you've asked this question already, but you haven't. Oh, um, here's a question. Is this a girl? Like, a girl, a younger girl? No. Okay, so it's, an, it's a woman. Come on, mate. Two questions left. It's an old woman. <laughs> <laughs> you got a question and a guess. Oh, who is it? Audience, you probably know. Um, so it's an old... It's an old... It's not a girl. It's a woman. Related to Moses, uh, appears both pre and post Red Sea crossing. Why am I not getting this? Where's my brain? At? I think you've I, you think you've asked this question already, but you haven't. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking? About? Okay, here's my last clue. Yeah, Jethro. What's his relationship to to Moses? He's a Father-in-law. What's, what's Moses' wife's name? Oh, what's Moses' wife's name? Oh, listeners, that was hilarious to see Pip's eyes change. Remember, Pip and I both have very small eyes. What's Moses' wife's name? His eyes grew very big just then. What is it? What is it? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Moses' wife. Oh, Moses' wife. Comes home at the end of the day, Moses is writing the Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> Moses' wife. I think it starts with an M. Maybe not. Ooh! <laughs> Maybe it's a Z. Oh. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Just give me a sec. Just, okay. just bear with me, people. I, 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 we're bearing. We're bearing with you. Maybe it's... It's not Josh. It's not <laughs> Moses' H- wife. Josh. M N L O P P. Maybe it's P. How, I don't have any more questions. Do I? You have two. Ah, uh, can I ask a letter thing? Yeah, of course you can. U R S T U. Ooh. Does her name start with M? No. Oh. Um. It's got to be the guess. <laughs> this is it? Moment of truth. <laughs> Are you okay? I'm okay. You're I'm just rushing. I'm just running through. I'm running through. Um. 
Is it... Mosey? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, what's yeah. the name? Alright, you done? Yeah, yeah. Zipporah. Oh, Zipporah. Yes. Zipporah. Hey, hold on. Zipporah the Hittite? Kushite. Ah. See, I got my Kushites in my head. I was thinking Zipporah, she's a Hittite. Can't be a Hittite. Well, Kushite. I do apologize for misleading about the question, you know, whether uh, she was an Israelite or not. No, but Zipporah, that's yeah. a uh, clothing brand, isn't it? <laughs> that's Zephora, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's maybe you got that um, faster than I did, or slash at all. If you did, congratulations. Yeah. You I, are I thought you were so close. You were so there. I was, yeah. like, I was thinking Miriam, Miriam, Miriam. But you know Zephora, right? The name? I, th- I know Zephora. Yeah, yeah. But it's, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's definitely a faded <laughs> memory. Yeah. Um, I don't think you'll ever forget Zipporah again. Zipporah, I'll remember that. Mm-hmm. Moses' wife. Here's a side question. How would you be being Moses' wife? You know? Do you know what I mean? It's like your husband comes home and says, you'll never believe what happened. <laughs> so I'm supposed to go to Pharaoh, right? Let my people go. That's what I gotta tell him. And he's like, oh Moses! <laughs> hey, I have a related, but very tenuously related. When I say related, it's not really related at all. Okay. Thought I had this week, yeah. which I wanted to share with you, which yeah. is, you know, Dancing with the Stars mm. is, is coming back on TV. Oh! Um, I've never really watched Dancing with the Stars, but whenever a new season starts, and I know about it, which is rarely, I've gone, who are the celebrities? Who are the stars who are there? Now, some of these people, do you imagine that, you know, when they get phoned, you know, the Channel 7 or whatever boss rings them up and says, hey, we'd love you to be on Dancing with the Stars. Of course. And their, you know, their wife or their husband comes home and they say, hey, I've been asked to be on Dancing with the Stars. Do you think some of them go, I never knew you were a star? (laughs) Probably, because to be honest, a lot of them, not really that... Not really stars. C <laughs> <laughs> you know? grade celebrities. All a few years ago, it was that Channel 10 TV show, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at them and going, I do not know who must have been. These are celebrities. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so maybe that's how Zipporah was thinking when Moses came along. It's like, who do you think you yeah, are? Yeah. yeah, Come on, sit down. You're getting exhausted again. <laughs> Come on. You've been spending a bit too much time in the sun with the sheep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Anyway. Um, hey, that's been it for another week of The Bible Boys. We hope to be back next week, but we'll see. Yeah. And, yes. Uh, interesting times. Exciting times. That's it. And uh, we'll start with the email um, that was sent. This juicy email. It's about guess who, actually. Yes. Well, we'll start with it next week. Sounds good. Sign us out, Pip. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, what you've just listened to is one of the most historic pieces of audio that have ever been recorded in the room that we're sitting in. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been a helpful discussion, enlightening, entertaining, edifying, exciting even. Um, we'll see you next time. Have a good week. Bye.